Welcome to episode 31 of the Night Shift. Kyle Grimard, Mike Stubbs with you. You can follow Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can follow me at Stubbs980. And we follow the London Knights. And we followed them through a couple of 5-1 victories over the weekend. And now they continue what is six games in nine days with home games Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, February 6th, February 8th, and February 10th. And then they go to Guelph to finish off a really jam-packed string of games. But Kyle, two for two so far with two 5-1 wins and a whole lot to talk about, especially when we talk about Logan Mayhew and the ending of the second game in Erie. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And, and really two different vibes to each game. The game back on Friday was... It was a vibe, and we talked about this on After the Buzzer, but almost like the London Knights were just going to slowly grasp away the victory and any opportunity for uh, Saginaw to get back into that contest was just never going to happen, and it just felt like the Knights were going to suffocate it and almost will their way to a 5-1 to one dominant start-to-finish victory. They started off hot with two goals. They had four goals in the first period, which paced them. And then the game in Erie, Mike, you kind of put this the best way just kind of quietly went about their business. One of the quietest 5-1 wins you probably hear. And I don't know, Mike, if that was willing to anything to do with the crowd, which we'll, we might talk about in just a little bit, but just the way that the Knights are going about their business right now. And this is the type of hockey that you want your team playing in the month of February. You said it. And we talked with Logan Mayhew before the Erie game. So after the Saginaw game in which the Knights came out, and just went ballistic in the first period. Four goals. The ice felt tilted against the spirit at times. And then they were able to shut things down. So Logan talked about what the Knights wanted to do going into this weekend and into this time of year, into the month of February. And then the idea of what you have to do once you build a lead, because it's easy to say, all right, we've got this one in the bag. You can't do that against any team. And here is Logan on those two elements of what happened this weekend. I think that's kind of something that we wanted to work on uh, as our starts, because uh, I think uh, everybody's kind of seen that uh, we start slow and then always got to try and catch teams and we're playing from behind. So it was, uh, it was definitely good to come out and play with the lead. And then like, at the end of the day, we got to learn to play with the lead, like get up with the lead, and then keep it. So I think uh, we did that pretty well yesterday. There's the other part of it. You get up 4 nothing, and guys are going to think, wow, this, this is great. we're all going to get seven points tonight. <laughs> How do you kind of reel that back so that you can make sure you're doing what you have to do? Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, uh, it sounds a little cliche, but just sticking to our systems. Like, I mean, we're a defense-first team, and uh, it's kind of what we do, and defense creates offense for us. So... I think uh, that kind of worked out yesterday, like uh, a couple good plays in the D zone, turning uh, some breakaways and some breaks, and uh, we ended up capitalizing on them. London Knights defenseman Logan Mayu, you, you know, Kyle, Dale Hunter always points to this, and this is something that he wants his teams to be conscious of. If you have a big lead early, a lot of hockey people will call it going after your cookies where, yeah, it, everybody thinks, oh, we're all going to get points tonight. This is going to be great. And you think offense, offense, offense. And then that very secure three, nothing or very secure four, nothing lead starts to get chipped away. It's four, one, it's four, two. And in junior hockey, as you well know, you make it four, two, the odds of it becoming four, four, all of a sudden 
really good. And when the Knights had a goal go in, when Saginaw scored, you didn't see that. They still stuck to what it took to win. So good sign. Good sign. What do you think? Good sign. Oh, I think fantastic sign. And then just even going a step further into the Erie game, they had a 2-1 lead going into the third period on the road, maybe a little pushback from Erie. London outshot Erie 13-6 to in the third period and outscored them 3-0. So you want to talk about putting your foot down and finishing off a game. Two different instances, one with a 4-0 lead going into the third and the other with a 2-1 lead going into the third. The Knights were not outscored. They weren't outshot in Erie. And when... There was quote-unquote adversity when Saginaw made it 4-1. London immediately scored right back and took that 5-1 lead, took the breath and any will out of Saginaw's, out of their spirits, and evidently put both games away. So, I mean, no pun intended with the whole spirit thing there. But <laughs> you, you see two different ways that the Knights were able to close out victories, whether it was close or whether they got into a big lead. And it's understanding and knowing how to do it in different circumstances. Like it's easy when you have maybe a bigger lead and you can kind of close things up defensively. And now if you give up a couple of perimeter shots, it's fine, but a two, one lead on the road into the third period. And then you come out not flat and you take it to your opponent and you really finish off the contest. That is a good sign for me. And let's think about this. Has this ever happened before in hockey? Because I'm thinking that the Knights and Logan Mayu created something that had never, ever happened before. You get a player who records a natural hat trick, so three straight goals, does it all in one period, does it on the power play all three times, and finishes it with a lacrosse-style goal, call it the Michigan I don't think that's ever been done before. I really don't. No, you'd have to do a deep dive into the stats, Mike, but it, it was just, it's impressive the way, especially over the last two games he has played. And he, make, he came up with a statement too, saying that he knows what this team was capable of and they are going to be ready. He made a statement on Friday and he made an even bigger statement on Saturday and all three on the power, but when he took the puck, you give him, he's one of the guys where I, I don't know why teams are giving him any sort of room whatsoever because he has the most... NHL caliber shot, I would think, on that London Knights team, especially on that blue line right now. He can absolutely wire the puck. And if you let him step into a shot, if there's any screen, even if the goalie's got a clean look, there's a decent chance that puck's going to find its way through. And I think I noticed that on one of the shots for Logan on, I believe it was his second goal of the of the power play or the second power play goal of the game. And then, of course, we got to talk about the real cross, a.k.a. the Michigan goal, which uh, he picks it up behind the net, Mike. And, and you had thought that, you know, the goaltender had actually made the save and that Oliver Bonk had scored it. I did. I did. And actually, I talked with Oliver after the game and and he was noncommittal. I mean, the puck we'll hear from Logan in just a few <laughs> minutes, but the puck kind of got jammed up on the goalie and then rolled down the goalie and in. So it didn't go into the net right away. So, yeah, I, I thought it had been stopped. But, boy, what a performance in the third period. Here's one thing that I want to ask, okay. and that is, do I have to call it the Michigan? Because I don't <laughs> want to. So we'll get to that in a minute. Here is Logan on his perspective on what happened in that third period against the Erie Otters. Knights get it back. Here is Mayu, top of the left circle. Hard shot, scores! Logan Mayu, his second goal in as many nights. Diaco gets a pass back to Mayu. Rips a shot, scores! Logan Mayu, second of the night. 
And it is four to one. AU gets the puck back, goes in behind the net. Lacrosse move. That's stopped. Rebound. He, he did the lacrosse move. Logan Mayu. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's not what I was really thinking going into a five on three. You're not really thinking to uh, pull off a Michigan or anything like that. So we were going to try and move the puck around, maybe get some shots. But. Uh, I mean, it just kind of played out. I think I uh, had a one-timer, got blocked, and uh, somebody had a bottle. Wince, I think Wince won a bottle down low, puck just popped out, and then I saw a little opening, and I just tried it. I said I might as well go for it, so gave it a shot, and it worked. So. Did it go in the opening? Did it roll off the goalie? What happened? Yeah, I kind of, like he, I think he kind of knew it was coming too, like most goalies do now, and he got up to the post, and then uh, I went in right by his ear and his shoulder, and then kind of rolled down his back, I think, so it, uh, yeah, it uh, could have been a little bit of luck, but uh, I'm definitely excited it worked out. Logan Mayu. On three straight goals, a natural hat trick, all on the power play, finishing it with the lacrosse-style goal, the Michigan. Kyle, do I have to call it the Michigan? I don't want to. I mean, no disrespect to Mike Legg. He's from London. I've always thought the goal needed to be called the Legger. Why wasn't it called the Legger? Why did we have to name it the Michigan? But if somebody doesn't know what the Michigan is, I call games on the radio. My concern is if I say the Michigan, it makes them, you know, wonder what is he even talking about? Whereas if you say it's a lacrosse style goal, I I think it paints more of a picture. Am I wrong? Uh, you're right in that sense, but I think because that goal had had been made famous, of course, being scored at the University of Michigan, it's it's been pretty well known in the hockey world when you say the Michigan. But in terms of like what you need to call it, Mike, I don't think you have to call it the Michigan. I think lacrosse, like the lacrosse style goal, is I think you're you're going to get a similar vibe. But in the either way, you could go. I'm not really hell bent on picking a or B in the situation <laughs> considering one we've seen it so many times now it's not nearly as common as it's not like nearly as like we've seen in the NHL level we've seen the HL level we've seen we see goalies practicing it all the time like it's not it's not this crazy thing that was a, a, a rarity in our game today we see it a lot more often now so I think you're good with the whole lacrosse style goal I think if people want to call it the Michigan they can you don't want to call it the Michigan you don't have to Okay. Well, the incredible thing is how, how easily players do it, how fluid this is, how they're able to pick up the puck onto their stick. This is something that going back 20 years, players would do almost to try to help out an official where you, you know, when, when you had more curvature, more flex to your stick, you, it was hard to do when you were using the old wooden clubs. So maybe we can incorporate 30 to 40 years now, but it's something that you would flip the puck up and and get it on your stick and toss it in the air and be able to lift it up to an official after a whistle. And it was helpful to the official. They didn't have to bend down and pick up the puck. And then now, guys like Robbie Shrimp, you've got to credit him for all of the things that he has done wow. with the puck, all of the ways he was able to pick it up and move it around on shootouts and things like that. And then other players seeing that, trying that. Now the fact that it gets done in games is still remarkable because what it takes, it's, it's not easy. We've got a flat puck that is on the ice and you've got to chip it up, lay it on your blade and then make a move and stuff it in the net. 
before somebody knocks your block off. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do back behind the net. There's not a lot of room, and there are always defensemen at either side who are ready to get in your way to swing around and get this done. It's It still blows my mind that this is even a thing in hockey that's done more than once. It's absolutely phenomenal that guys have this ability, and I, we, we, it was just happening at the NHL All-Star Game. We see just celebrities and other guys going and picking up the puck and doing all of these crazy wild uh, tricks with it. And it's just starts from picking up the puck. There's so much more that even goes into it now, let alone what guys can do on top of after picking up the puck. And it, it, it's, it's the skill. It's the style that we see. Trevor Zegers has done it multiple times in a game or multiple times throughout the course of a season, which is phenomenal. We've seen it. Uh, it's guys are now getting almost prompted as defenders to stop it. Once a guy goes to pick the puck up, they immediately abandon whatever they are doing and go to try to take the body. But because it happens in such an instant, it's so tough to defend as a goaltender. When you're taught, when guys are rotating around the net or coming across, you lateral slide from one spot to the other which means you have to go on the ice. So now you're keeping goaltenders more honest of trying to stay up where now wraparounds are lethal. Now you have this, now you have a Michigan lacrosse style goal. Like there's so much more as a goaltender that you need to think about when a guy goes behind the net, we've seen guys pick up the puck and pass it over the net to a guy. There's, there's so many ways. And like you said, it's as skilled as the game has ever been. I'm I'm here for it. I know some people aren't thrilled about it, but I I love the skill and the ability and the confidence to be able to do stuff like that because now we're seeing it from 16, 17, 18-year-old kids pulling it off in a game, but not in a spot that's going to affect like they're not doing it in a way that's going to take them out of the play where if a defenseman gets caught in that situation, they're they're doing these things responsibly basically. The game against Erie will have that Logan Mayu goal talked about for a very, very long time because it was the goal that showed off Supreme skill. There was another goal in the game that we've got to talk about before we leave the games themselves and check up some numbers and talk about what the Flint Firebirds bring as an opponent for February the 6th for the London Knights on Mitch Marner bobblehead night. And that's Sean McGurn's goal to go ahead. It was scored shorthanded. And if Logan Mayus was all about showing off supreme skill, this was all about showing off incredible determination. Now Johnston into the slot for Gil Martin. Knocked off his stick out into center. McGurn gets to it. McGurn has a breakaway. McGurn getting in. Shoot. Scores. Sean McGurn. He would have drawn a penalty on the play, but he scored anyway. Sean McGurn scores to put the Knights up 2-1. to one. Here is the goal through his eyes, and then the goal through Max McHugh's eyes. Max was on the ice with Sean, killing that penalty. I just remember being in a race and uh, trying to put it to space to give myself to get a chance to get a shot on goal, and I was lucky it went in. How many times were you hacked and whacked? I don't know how many penalties you'd drawn by that point, but the referee's arm was in the air. I wasn't even thinking. I was thinking I'd try to get a shot on goal and uh, see what happens. How bouncy was the puck? Uh, it felt like someone got a stick on me right when I was about to shoot it, but... Uh, I don't know. I'd have to watch the replay to see how much it was bouncing. Max McHugh, you were on the ice. What did you see? Well, it was a nice play by Goo and Bonky um, to get the puck out. And then Magoo got you know, into a foot race, and there was a couple guys, like you said, hacking and whacking them. And um, I was ready there. I thought he was going to do his uh, famous pad pass. So um, I was ready there in case there was a rebound. But uh, luckily it went in. That's worked in the past. 
yeah, he uh, usually that's our go-to on the two-on-one. So I was screaming, pad pass, pad pass, and uh, he ended up going five holes. So it was a good shot. Game winner. Max McHugh and Sean McGurn talking about an all-out effort that put the Knights ahead 2-1. They go on to a pair of 5-1 wins as they begin this stretch of six games in nine days. Zach Bowen allows one goal again. He's now won 10 games in a row, Kyle. Uh, 256 goals against average and a 9-11 save percentage as a rookie, Mike. That is (laughs) something else that a lot of people maybe wouldn't have guessed from a goaltender as a rookie of Zach Bowen, but just I love seeing what he's been able to do and the fact that he is doing it in relief. And he is not just doing this in games of you know, insignificance to say the least. He's done it on the road in Ottawa before. He's done it on the road in the second half of back-to-backs before. He's doing this in some tough circumstances. And I love the fact that the Knights have a goaltender that they can go to that has almost identical numbers as the reigning OHL goaltender of the year in Brett Brochu. And Brochu added another victory on Friday night. So he's two wins back of Gene Shirello for second place all-time wins by a London Knights goaltender and 11 back of Michael Hauser. The Knights now have 22 games left to play. Two more wins for Dale Hunter on the weekend. He is at 888. 12 wins away from 900. And Kyle, that takes us to a game against Flint, a game that a lot of Knights fans have been talking about because it's Mitch Marner bobblehead night. And there's a lot of excitement. So if you're hearing this before the Knights take on the Flint Firebirds, then the first 2,000 people inside Budweiser Gardens tonight are going to receive a Mitch Marner bobblehead. As for the game itself, third meeting of the season between these two teams they have not played since november 18th and 19th they had a home and home and each team won on the road strangely flint has one win in their last five two wins in their last seven but this is a club that has one of the best names in the ohl amadeus lombardi he's a draft pick of the detroit red wings if you're a red wings fan and he's a guy that's got 63 points in 49 games. Gavin Hayes has been playing well. And they've got this mean pair on defense. They don't always play together. But Dmitry Kuzman, who is a draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets, and Artem Guriev, who Flint received in the Brennan Othman trade with the Peterborough Peets. These guys don't mind picking up penalties. They'll make life tough on you. And Guriev is massive. He's a huge guy. You'll notice him on the ice right away. This is maybe, Kyle, just about managing things the rest of the way the knights have back to back to back home games the monday the wednesday and the friday and then they go to guelph so interesting to see how the lineup is used we saw jacob julian return to the lineup on saturday night sam o'reilly made the trip but did not play he was coming off two games with the london nationals that saw him record seven points so we'll see how many bodies are used this week by the london knights because these are important games windsor won't stop winning they won a couple on the weekend including a big win over the owen sound attack and so the windsor spitfires heading into monday night knights and flint are three points up on the london knights knights have two games in hand 
Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is they do have the games at hand right now, but like you said, Windsor is not stopped winning, but the Knights have not stopped winning in terms of winning percentage. You know, the Knights are, I believe the second or third best team, I think, or sorry, fourth best. Ottawa is the best winning percentage in, uh, in right now in the OHL, uh, North Bay has been, had a sensational season as well, but the London Knights are right there neck and neck with the Windsor Spitfires. It's going to go down to those two. They're slowly starting to separate themselves from the likes of Owen sound who sit at 55. Sarnia is at 56, though so they've been playing well uh, to their seven and three over their last 10 games. But yeah, these are going to be important games and it's, it's really important for the Knights to get those fresh bodies in. And if they've got the guys to do it as well, if you need to give a guy or two a, a night off, because this is a lot of hockey. I, I don't care if you're 16, 17, 18, however old you are, how much experience or how much you want to play these, this is a lot of hockey in a very short amount of time. So like you said, Mike, it's a good point. It's going to be very interesting to see how the lineup shakes out, but you still want to be collecting points. And the hard part about this is if you're looking at the standings, you've got teams that are below you in the standings that, if you go into a game, you think, okay, you know, Flint is sixth in the Western Conference, Guelph is seven, Kitchener is eight, Erie 10. These are games that you want to win. All of a sudden, it's made a little bit more difficult by the fact that you're not as fresh as those teams are, and those teams are all fighting. The Kitchener Rangers are four points clear of the Sioux Greyhounds going into action on Monday for the final playoff spot. Erie is seven points back now, but still in the race. And the Guelph Storm have been playing some really good hockey of late, and Flint is trying to stay out of that 7-8 spot. Right now, they're in sixth. They'd love to be sixth or fifth or fourth, so they've got a lot to play for, too. We will cover it all. Don't forget that Wednesday night, February 8th, is Don Brankley Hall of Fame induction night, and that means that Dennis Weidman, who will be there with the Kitchener Rangers as the Knights face the Rangers, Rick Green, who won a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens, and the late Dan Maloney, who had such a tremendous career in both the OHL when it was the Ontario Major Junior Hockey League and in the National Hockey League, will all be enshrined. Look forward to it. Kyle, we'll talk about it later in the week. Going to be a blast. And yes, lots of hockey, lots of nights to be uh, discussing on the podcast. So make sure you follow along with all the episodes and catch up on everything. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts on uh, Megaphone as well at Stubbs980 on socials, 2Bs at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Episode 32 coming up on Thursday. See you then. See you then.